Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. My name is Danielle Brooks, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. She's the Grammy winner and Tony nominee that's become one of the greatest stars to ever grace a Broadway stage. After launching to international global fame on the smash hit TV show Orange is the New Black, she earned a whole new army of fans in the world of live theatre when she tore it up as Sophia in Oprah's Broadway revival of The Colour Purple, a production that also featured Jennifer Hudson, Heather Hadley, Cynthia Revo, and Jennifer Holiday. Since then, she's continued to earn rave reviews in the varying projects that she's turned her hand to, bringing herself back to New York for the ultimate stage return in the Piano Lesson, the smash hit production that has none other than the legendary Samuel L. Jackson leading, directed by Latanya Richardson-Jackson. And for her, it's a show that's personal and completes a rather special full circle moment. So here, in an exclusive conversation just days before she collects the New York Women in Film and Television Made in New York Award on behalf of The Piano Lesson, we talk the joys of a great Broadway return, how theatre is her first love and why she's embracing the imperfect perfections of human mistakes. We also talk standing ovations in The Colour Purple on Broadway, Zoom calls with Oprah and how she offered her the leading role in the soon-to-be Colour Purple big screen musical adaptation and why theatre belongs to us all. She's a joy, she's a star and she's unbelievably kind, so let's get right into it with the truly wonderful Danielle Brooks, here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of Eleven, Danielle and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please let me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. She's a certified goddess of stage and screen that's earned herself a Tony nomination and a Grammy win. So all rise for the gorgeous Danielle Brooks. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Hello, William. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. You've got the biggest smile on your face, which has instantly put me at ease because you're such a superstar and this feels like such a pleasure. So a thousand times in advance before we even dive into anything. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. We're going to have lots of fun and we've got lots of exciting and fun things to talk about in a second but before we dive into one very specific thing that we're going to celebrate I just want to ask how are you and how is it being the queen of Broadway how is it just slaying everything how is it racking up all these awards like it's just excellence as a minimum for you every day now right (laughs) wow I thank you I will take all of the love and all of the compliments William uh queen of theater I don't know I mean I'm working my way to all of it but uh it's been pretty great uh the piano lesson wore me out I had to say <laughs> I feel like it probably took 20 years off my life but uh other than that you know I'm doing really well I came to New York in January to experience New York and to experience that buzz which I think we've all missed so much during the pandemic so to be there to experience it again but also imagine for you to be at the heart of it that must have felt it must have felt a bit like a gift for you to get to be in not just the extraordinary piece 
with this extraordinary cast, which we'll get to in a second, but also to feel a connection to an audience again. I mean, that must have been amazing. Sure. That's probably one of the best parts. I really lean into rehearsal. I really like the process of creating theater. Believe it or not, like sometimes being on the stage is the most difficult part for me. But the part that is always so satisfying is connecting to the audience, like you said. That is truly one of the best things ever to hear people talk about their connection to the character or coming back to the theater and how much they missed it. Or my favorite is when it's someone's first time coming to the theater and they chose to celebrate and have this moment with us. Like that to me is truly a gift because who doesn't remember their first time at the theater, right? So yes, um, coming back to the great bright way was awesome. <laughs> is the opportunity to go back onto Broadway something that you enter into with open arms or do you do you take that beat to think if I'm going to do it I want to make sure it's the right thing at the right time with the right story? Theatre has always been my first love so when I first was offered the piano lesson in 2018 end of 2018 2019 somewhere in there uh, it was an immediately an, an immediate yes because of the material and because of the people. Like there was no hesitation. But now that I'm a mom and now that I don't like my primary residence isn't is not in New York, it does make me take the moment to really reflect on is this something that I want to do for six months of my life, if not longer. So I don't take it as um carefree as I used to. I don't just jump right in as I used to. But in the past, um, and this is for those who want to do this in the future, in the past, I would have jumped for anything because, you know, just getting close, getting a call back, getting anything near off-Broadway or Broadway was always the goal. And so I was just ready for that experience when I first came out of Juilliard in 2011. But oh, how life has changed. <laughs> <laughs> and now with some time and experience, I definitely take um, my decision making very seriously. Can you remember the specific part that changed for the now? You obviously referenced being a mother now, but can you remember what it was about the now that you went, now is the right time for me to do this? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I just finished Orange is New Black. I was actually pregnant. I had also just finished doing Shakespeare in the Park, playing Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing. So my heartstrings was definitely pulling for the theater and I was about to give birth to my daughter so I'm like what is next <laughs> and you know just not knowing being that it's my first child how the television film industry really would receive me now that I am a mom or was becoming a mother it kind of all came very sporadically for me when I got that call and I was about eight months pregnant at the time and this was pre-pandemic so I did not know what we were about to step into. Uh, so when I got that call and now it was like Samuel Jackson and Latanya Jackson, Richardson, Richardson Jackson, excuse me, and um, John, John David Washington, that was the pool for me. Uh, and, and not only that, the biggest number one reason was because 
I really, truly wanted to play Bernice in the piano lesson all my life. And crazily enough, I was manifesting it, but not understanding this whole time that it was right around the corner because I hadn't been like telling my team, this is a character I want to play. Like I wasn't talking about it, but I think from all of the energy that I had placed in this character uh, when I was in high school, from like reading about her, auditioning, you know, with one of the monologues from Bernice for for colleges, all this energy that I had put into this character, this play was coming back to me now 15 plus years later. So um, everything just really aligns how it's supposed to. Do you believe that it was written in the stars that this maybe would come around one day, particularly with the fact that obviously it was your audition piece for Juilliard? Do you think someone somewhere was saying, you know, it's going to happen? I don't. I really don't. I don't. I think it just, I don't know, man. All the stars just happen to align, but I don't think someone was like puppet master back there trying to figure out how can we get this girl to play. I just think it aligned because once I told, once I got the, uh, excuse me, I didn't audition, but once I got the part and I spoke with the creative team, nobody even knew that I used this monologue to get into Juilliard of Bernice. Nobody knew that. So I, I'm just like, wow, you know, <laughs> this is, I don't know. It's um just one of those like moments you can't really explain. Did that ever leave your mind during the very many processes of either rehearsals or even nightly where you thought about the, your other connections to the show and the fact that you had uh, connections to that monologue and then obviously being in the show each night, did you think about the fact that this is kind of brilliantly, fantastically weird? Every time, every night. So I auditioned for Juilliard back in 07. I actually used the audition piece of Bernice um, for all my colleges. So that's Carnegie, um, NCSA, uh, audition for Guthrie, and maybe one other that I can't remember right now, and Juilliard. So I used them all. I used this particular monologue for all of them. It's the monologue was, you ain't taking this piano out of my house. Look at this piano. Look at it. Mama Ola polished this piano with her tears for 17 years. I got it like, you know, clockwork at this point. So it was that monologue that I remember doing in the hall or in the in the in the studio of 301 at Juilliard. However many years later, being on this massive stage where my heart is always desired to be on Broadway, saying this monologue with this um, incredibly carved out piano that now will live in, in the Smithsonian, which is mind blowing. <laughs> Opposite John David Washington with Samuel Jackson in the room. What the hell is like? Like what? You know, I it, every night I was kind of like taken aback by what is happening. And then what was really cool was like my classmates from college would come to see the show and they would get super emotional because they also were in disbelief of what was taking place. They remember seeing young 17, 18 year old Danny, you know, reciting this monologue in front of them and learning, you know, what it is to be an actor and how to act and how to listen, how to respond, being vulnerable, being okay with failing, all of these things to now this moment. I, I just, um, yeah, every night, every night it would get me. 
isn't it wild how sort of life works and the world works and it's almost the times when you expect them almost the least where they tend to touch you the most for sure for sure I agree William it's extraordinary just to hear you recall it with such joy about the fact that you get the opportunity to go to work and to experience it on a, a working professional level to also experience it with your former colleagues and friends and to also have these new colleagues and friends that I know that you love and admire and and have spoken about and I've read some wonderful interviews that you've done where you said it felt you felt so privileged to call them colleagues to be on the stage with these legends these amazing artists and then add on top that you get to be potentially a a first touch point for somebody at the theatre but then also people coming back wanting so desperately to connect was the sense of connection to an audience stage door even in the theater was that something that you've forgotten how truly magical that is because having been in new york having been in that theater oh it's almost indescribable it was it was a moment oh thank you yeah i i love connecting with everyone i always go to stage door and i'm always asking where y'all from where y'all from that's my first question because I'm so into where, how far people have traveled to come to see us and hang out with us and go on this ride for three and a half hours. Because <laughs> <laughs> I play with long, uh, you know, but I even remember doing Color Purple on Broadway and that connection was mind blowing, you know, seeing people who've never met sitting beside one another at the end when we're singing the finale number, holding hands and crying, you know, and the standing ovations just from, because you've made people feel that strongly, they, they're so moved that, you know, Cynthia was getting standing ovations in the middle of the show. I think it's one of the most powerful art forms ever, you know, because, on one hand, you have the story, which can be so compelling and so moving in different ways for an audience member. But then also, you know, people are reminded at times that we're not machines, that we are humans, that we're going to make mistakes. That So they get to watch us live, work through this language and try to be as honest as and authentic as we can in the midst of being human. And I think that's what's really cool about the theater. It kind of like awakens people and like reminds people like we're all alive. It's almost that like pinch me moment of like, hey, we're here. We're all in this together, you know? So I just, yeah, I, I loved being able to connect with the audience. And also one thing that I do love about the shows that, that you choose to do in New York is in, bo- in both occasions that the audience aren't afraid to get involved. They're very vocal <laughs> about the good. They're also very vocal when they don't like somebody on stage, which is certainly not something we experienced too much in British theatre, which was a very interesting experience to me. Did that take you by surprise the first time Never. it happened? Because no. I was like, what is going I on? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I feel like it's necessary, yeah. to be honest because the theater should be shared and the theater should be um, something that is adaptable to the audience. You know, I feel like sometimes we get so stuck in ownership of something that we love so much. And so the format has to be a certain way. And a lot of times I think that kind of um, lends itself to cutting out a certain group of people to enjoy in a way that they feel comfortable. Hmm. I grew up in the church. So the call and response 
is so natural to me and it makes so much sense to me because when you have that you're you're it's this it's just a reminder that like I see you and I feel seen I feel like that's what it's about too is feeling seen and also like I don't know I just remember like I had um uh I'm calling somebody out oh well um I was executive producing Ain't Too Proud. And Ain't Too Proud was the, you know, story of the temptations that we love so much. And when we when I was there and I came to the show several times, there was a lot of call and response, <laughs> people singing along. So I was asking the producers of Ain't Too Proud if we could have some little excerpt in the, the playbill to just say to the audience, hey, it's okay to be vocal. Um, you know, don't do anything that's going to distract the uh, performers, but feel free to sing along or whatever that is. And the, the excuse me, the writer, Dominique, was very much on board. It was actually her idea. And they shut it down. And I just couldn't believe it because I felt like it was um, their way of controlling this thing that should be um, ever changing. You know, I, th- I think that's, first of all, what really pissed me off about it was this is a story about five, six, seven, because <laughs> the temptation is a lot of them, Black men, right? This music is Black music. And ultimately, you are telling Black people who have paid their Black dollars to see your show that they need to sit and be quiet a certain way. And I just did not like that at all. And so this season as well, um, getting to see my boy Jordany Cooper's show, um, Ain't No Mo, Mm -hmm. getting to see that. And the music, the intro music, you know, while we're getting into the theater and getting getting seated was like Kirk Franklin. It was like juvenile, all this music that I grew up on. And it just was so inviting. And I feel like so often we are, I'm going a whole nother direction probably from what you wanted to talk about, but now that I've been able to cross over a little bit into executive producing, I feel like so often we are trying so hard to find a way to tap into different audiences, specifically Black audiences or people of color. And when we are actually ready to put our dollars into the theater, it feels like it's still um, some kind of chain on the door saying, this is as far as you can get, okay? This is how it is, okay? And I feel like we have to start letting loose a little bit and allowing people to be who they are. And I do think there is a bit of etiquette that people do need to learn, <laughs> like turning their phones off. <laughs> I will get you on that one. <laughs> but uh, but as far as like feeling inclined to say, ooh, or child, or, like those little things, <laughs> they feed us. But also it's such a joy and I I can imagine if you were to sort of survey the people that have had those experiences in the theatre, people would say, oh, it might have taken me by surprise that I'd not experienced that, but they're not against it. And I think that's the point is that this is a mutual experience of joy. Sometimes it's like, oh, responding to a bad person on stage or whatever, but like it's it's a celebration of joy. I mean, like coming from queer spaces, I'm always like, you try and tell a room full of queers to not comment or 
talk back like good luck you'll you won't right. win it's like if you want the people let's go but let's go properly and I, I yeah. you know credit to you for for being I'm going to say bold enough and brave enough about that's too much of just saying actually that's not how it works and we're yeah. going to do this and you want to come with us we'll go with you but I think it's important that people listen as well like I think yeah. it's nice that people were receptive to you um I wouldn't say they listened I say <laughs> okay. um they they might have listened but they did not respond they their action was uh non-existent (laughs) uh so that's why you know it's great to have spaces like 11 where you can just allow your voice to be heard when people find a way to shut it down and say no I do feel like there is change happening and I hope that does happen in all of the spaces you know Um, you know, as you mentioned queer spaces, I mentioned black spaces. I just feel like the theater belongs to us all. So let's find a way to in totality and wholeness, uh, bring everybody to it in every aspect. Print and retweet that. Definitely. Definitely. I want to ask you just quickly, just go back just before we, we stepped into that was just about the reaction. And we spoke so much about your connection to this piece and this amazing cast. When you then add on the extra bit of the billboards, your face in New York, your face on the side of a theatre, then you add in some of the quotes. I mean, I want to sort of spare your blushes a little bit, but to say that you give a masterclass in this show, having it plastered across New York. I mean, I took so many pictures of it when I was there, of the marquee, (laughs) of the cast. Like, to know that people are A, going to entrust a night in the theatre with you, to know they're going to get a performance at that level, but also the people that want to be you and do you and go on their own journey to the successes that you've had. I mean, it sort of takes on a life of its own outside of going to work and doing a job that you are very lucky to enjoy. But it's also a very, very important part of the job. But it's it's a difficult but sensible line that you have to tread of making sure that you're true to yourself. It's a wonderful hybrid, I imagine, of great joy, but also great responsibility. Hell yeah. I think you hit it on the nose. I feel like you spoke <laughs> for me, actually. Sorry. <laughs> In the best way. No, I, I agree. I think it is so much joy wrapped into you know, this young girl, or I go back to the young girl in me that just dreamed of being a part of this community and this tribe. And I finally get this opportunity. And now, like you described, getting to be on a billboard with my face on it, my name above the title, these things that actors dream of, I actually get to 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 do and be it is definitely filled with so much joy um, and sometimes disbelief, but I'm starting to shed that off a lot more and, you know, own where I have landed uh, because what comes with that is a lot of hard work, is a lot of no's, is a lot of reflection on who you are as a person, as an artist. It's a lot of work. <laughs> But to add to what you're saying about the responsibility, it always hits me so hard, William, because my first Broadway show was The Curl of Purple, the original with LaShance and all of those brilliant women and men that were in that piece. But LaShance really stood out to me and Felicia P. Fields stood out to me as well. The impact that she had on this 15-year-old girl that got to see this particular musical And now, you know, me believing in myself enough to say, I can do what she did, getting there, getting to play this part on Broadway now in the piano lesson and having my face on this billboard and and my name up there 
with one of the goats, Samuel Jackson, and directed by his phenomenal wife. That speaks volumes for the power of the theater, right? Mm -hmm. And so now I know without a doubt that my responsibility goes way beyond just me and my family. Yep. It goes to the next LaChance, the next Danielle, whoever that young girl or boy or person is, that's what it is next. And I have a responsibility for the, really longer than the two and a half, three hours that I'm on stage to that person by delivering the best performance that I can so that they're inspired. But it also has to lend itself to how I walk day to day. You know what I'm saying? Because now people aren't just interested in who you are on stage. The access to who you are is way greater now because of podcasts, because of social media, all of these things where people are really leaning into who you are to figure out how they can be that too. It's really really cool. And I, and I look forward to 10 years from now and hearing some young girls say, I saw you. My first Broadway show was a piano lesson and it changed my life. I will, I'm going to be a puddle of tears. <laughs> I'm going to be a puddle of tears because I really hope for that full circle moment. Speaking of full circle moments, when you heard about the Made in New York Award, was that one of those like wow, this really is a full circle moment because it was something you wanted to do that you have done and absolutely smashed based on the reviews and, and the way in which people have responded to this. And then to be given an award, I mean, and to be able to collect this, we should say this is just short of a week before you're actually going to go and collect the award, but to know that this is going to happen. I mean, what, is, what does a moment like that feel like? Made in New York award came out of the blue. I was like, what? <laughs> And to see someone that I really looked up to and still do, Patina Miller, who had accepted this award, I think the year or two before myself, means a lot as well because she's comes from the same, you know, state and high school. We went to the same high school and to see her journey on Broadway and, and television now um, just means a lot. And New York just gave me my first everything in a lot of ways. Um, New York was my first... Broadway show, my, you know, where I went to college, I get, found my husband here, uh, you know, and, and I had gave birth to my daughter in New York. So there's just so many uh, memories that I've had in the 16 years, I believe, of living in New York that I'm so grateful for. So it is very special um, to be thought of and and just be given my flowers I appreciate it a lot it's such an extraordinary honor I know that you've spoken about so many of the awards that you've got and how much it means on a personal level it's sort of like this extra bit and while of course we don't expect these it's nice to know that that other people have felt connected to a piece and I think a world where we are and we do all seem so far apart to receive this award in the city and the place and from the people that that you respect also from peers as well like Patina Miller who is of course a goddess of the industry I mean yeah. that's must feel extraordinary when you line up some of the people that you've mentioned with your co-stars of course Jennifer Holiday, Jennifer Hudson, Cynthia and some of the other extraordinary people that you've worked with to be seen within these groups and to be a peer and a colleague I mean it seems, this seems like such a stupid question, but does, does that ever become normal? It does. It starts to. Uh, and then there's something else that'll get you and you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> 
You know, I think in the beginning, it definitely wasn't because I, I guess I wasn't believing in myself enough or under, like, I just didn't understand like how I landed in between certain people or in certain jobs. I didn't understand like why me, you know, because in my head, I am just this country girl that was raised in a church from South Carolina who just had a dream and landed somewhere in a good place with that dream. But then you realize with time and with work ethic, you deserve to be here. You know, you have something to offer. You actually did put in the work and you now are understanding who you are and whose you are, that you belong here. And it is a privilege just as much to work with them. It is for them to work with you. And that's where I am now. I've under, I understand that, you know, <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've, I always come trying to like understand the fame thing and why we put people on such a pedestal. And I get a part of it because a lot of it comes from just the awe of the talent, the gift, like, wow, like you are able to do that, you know? You think about LeBron James or Michael B or Michael Jordan or I don't know uh, Serena Williams and you know that's a talent I do not have so I am very much like wow <laughs> you know but being that I'm in this industry I know how much work goes into this thing that we love and do so I understand why people like, like really are in awe, I keep, I'll say that again, of um people with talent. But sometimes I'm like, do y'all realize, like, I still have to go change my license plate at the DMV office, just like everybody else. Like, do y'all realize that um I still got to go pick up toilet paper when we run out? Like, I don't understand. Like, people forget <laughs> that we're normal too. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I feel like the, it's really weird to me. Like uh, now I'm more in that place yeah. when I come across um, someone that I admire a lot. I'm starting to lean more into like they shit just like I do, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> more so than like they shit on a more expensive toilet. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think of it like that anymore. So. <laughs> My perspective's changing with time. But you alluded it to it at the start of this conversation and you sort of reference it there, but the more of the understanding and accepting that you have of your successes and your own personal talent and learning how that you, that is a, a great, wonderful gift that you and only you have in the way that you do, but you understand your place within the industry and the fact that you deserve the successes that you've had because most importantly of the work, which is mm-hmm. the foundation of, of every great success is 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 that an easier journey i guess you reference it slightly there but to get to a place where you know you can stand on stage with these icons and know that your ground is as important as theirs it is not an easy journey at all it is not it takes time it takes therapy it takes um just uh some rainy days you know because i feel like without you know the cheesy sayings about like the rain ain't gonna last forever. There's a rainbow across the way. But those things, like that's the only way I've gotten to where I am and like knowing who I am is because of those hard moments in life where I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't understand 
why not me? You know, I don't understand why I'm not getting paid as much or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Until they, once you go through that enough, <laughs> you and you know what you, like your purpose is, that's when the shift happens. That's when you like, you know what? I really don't have to do this. You realize that, right? You, you know what? I actually do know how much I'm worth here. You know, so it just takes time. It takes a lot of time, and um, in 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 growing pains. My favorite phrase is "Know your worth, add tax." Hey, <laughs> <laughs> mine is "Yesterday's price ain't today's price." Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Now, I know you're probably going to be able to tell me very little, but please don't shoot me for asking and mentioning the Colour Purple film, which, of course, is just the hottest property that we're all counting down the days to even get the opportunity to know the first thing about it. I mean, dare we even discuss the word trailer, but you have wrapped on that. It has happened. It's a real life living thing somewhere in the universe. Judging by the look on your face, it is and will be as extraordinary as I expect. You already know. I'm like so bursting with so much energy (laughs) for this to come out and I'm like it's almost like Christmas but that thing where you like Christmas and you're ready to open that gift but you know like the minute you open a gift it's like (sighs) like you can't take it back you know like that moment of excitement is just ah it's out there now and like you know so there's a part of me that's really holding on to this moment right before we get to the gift of getting to watch this film because once it's here it's here but the anticipation after shooting it and knowing how incredible blitz has and his team have put this together and the work of some incredible people like coleman domingo fantasia taraji her Corey Hawkins, you know, the list goes on. Dion Cole, Anjanu Ellis, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to stop because I'm not going <laughs> to give away some of the surprises of people in this film. Oh, no, please do. <laughs> there's some surprises they have not announced. And they announced a lot of people. This uh, is teasing. So, no, that, that's a little tease. That's a little tease. <laughs> I'm just really anticipating, but trying to hold on to this moment right before, because I really... Like, Color Purple has changed my life in so many ways. And I just am like, oh my gosh, I think there's more levels to this. <laughs> what is this about for me? Oh my God, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm excited for everyone to see it. It's, it's, it's very special. Did it feel when you closed your dressing room door, when you left the Broadway production, did it feel like there was a dot, dot, dot moment? Did it feel like that was the end? It felt like it was the end for sure. I like a movie never even crossed my mind and maybe that's my ignorance, but even then that's what 6 years later that we put they put the movie together. So no, I really was just I had moved on, you know. <laughs> Um, was, but and was super grateful for what had come out of it because I had gotten a Grammy and Getting the Tony nomination for my first Broadway show, I was like, this is, I banked good money. I'm good. Like, thank you. Y'all have blessed my whole life from that. You know, one experience. I look back and I'm like, wow, full circle keeps circling. (laughs) 
very finally on the Color Purple movie. Does does every Zoom call feel a little bit disappointing? I mean, I feel like I probably should apologize for the fact I don't have the greatest woman of all time in this conversation. And that is, of course, Oprah. I know that she surprised you. <laughs> does, 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 are you like, is she coming? Is she coming? Like, has that moment even become true? Because I was watching it the other day, knowing that we were going to chat. And was like, obviously, I watched it the first time you posted it. And it's just something about it. It's one of those things where you watch it and you go, <sighs> feel good now I feel like I've had a reset it's just pure unadulterated joy that was special I mean that was very much I was caught off by by surprise for sure had no idea that she was going to um personally pass the baton for to me which even saying that out of my mouth feels very foreign you know and and one could say well she did before with the tone you know the broadway broadway show and that's true but this is this lands different because of the medium this role really shifted her career in a lot of ways as an actress and i'm sure in other ways as well i mean she started her own network you know that (laughs) speaks volumes so uh, for for her to now say, you know, I'm down with you taking over this character in the film adaptation, whew, man, I'm, I'm still like processing that, I guess. But it doesn't go because I guess the theme of this conversation is about work because I definitely auditioned for that. <laughs> that was not just handed to me. And the audition process was lengthy. So uh, I worked for it. (laughs) Glad I did. At first, I was kind of disheartened by the fact that, you know, I had accomplished so much with the Broadway show. And now I'm having to prove myself again. And that's what goes back into what we're talking about, self-worth. You know, in those rainy days, and those are the days you learn who you are. And so that was um, tough for me because I had to really remove ego and say, I'm not going to let my ego trump my blessing. So I went in there and went through every hurdle they asked me to. And I'm very glad I did because I can't wait to um, go through this experience that we're about to go on with the people like you said miss oprah you know it's so cool in the, in the cast i just i'm very very excited i bet i actually regret asking you those questions because now all i want actually is to see it and now i know i can't for such a long time that it's done no, it is coming because i remember people being like <laughs> uh, when they first told us we shot it like last year we we wrapped in i don't know june of last year so 2022. And then they're like, the movie's not coming out until 2023. And you're like, what? We got to wait a year for this? And not only 2023, but like the end of 2023. <laughs> like, what? But it's actually, I mean, it's moving. We almost in April. We we started to move that track. It's moving. So we'll see. <laughs> Good things come to those that wait, I'm told. And we come will on, wait. baby. And then- you already know. My final question for you, because you've been incredibly kind with your time. One thing that's 
been so great about this conversation that I, I really love and respect that's happened so far as you've spoken about the work, but also the fact that life and the creative world is a journey. You do have to go on it and believe in yourself. You do have to do a lot of things that probably scare the shit out of you just in order to make sure you are moving forward, which again, I think is important. But also it's about the responsibility and the recognition that you reference to other people. The fact that we constantly have to build on our own good, but also the good of other people to try and move move the wheel forward, make sure that we're taking people with us. It's not just mm-hmm. about us. When you think about the various touch points that so many of the things that you've done in your career, if that's monologues or if it's shows, if it's heroes of yours, awards and recognition, when you think about all of those things put together and you think about the fact that there was this connection between this monologue and this amazing Broadway show that you got to do and now to be recognized for it and to be seen for that and celebrated for that. If you go back to the person that first started that wanted to be on Broadway, that wanted to be an actor, that wanted to just have probably the smallest slice of this wonderful industry. When you think of all the things you've done, what would you say to that younger version of yourself about the journey they're about to go on and how a lot of their dreams are about to come true? William, you bad. You trying to make me cry. You need to stop. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You need to stop. Um, I would say keep the faith. Your hope is strong, but keep the faith. And I'm learning as I get older what faith means for me. And I realize hope is the belief that you can get the thing. It's wanting the thing. It's saying, you know what? I believe that I'm going to get to Broadway. I believe that I can accomplish, you know, getting whatever it is you want in life. That's what that is. But faith is understanding that if you get that thing or not, you are going to be okay. And that's what, in my years of being in this business, I've had to understand is that I am going to be okay. There are so many times that you will be rejected and hear no, that you feel that you're not enough, you're not the right puzzle piece for this project, whatever it is, you don't sing high enough or loud enough, or you can't hit that note, or you can't hit that pot of beret, whatever it is, just understanding that faith without works is dead. So yes, first put in the work, do what you need to do to try to reach that goal. But remember the faith part, you will be okay. And that's what I would tell the young Danielle and and what I am very proud of her for um, getting to the understanding of is that life moves the way it does for a special reason. And you might not understand the reason, but if you hang on and you be patient, when I tell you the reveal is off the chain, the reveal is off the chain. (laughs) Well, let me tell this, Danielle, that I've had the pleasure of talking to you today, that this has been such a joy. Thank you so much for for sharing some of your time with me. Most importantly, enjoy next week. Enjoy the moment just before it happens to take a breath and think this is a moment that I'm allowed to cherish and know that it's truly, truly deserved. So thank you so much. Please make them release the film soon. We need to see that as well. (laughs) Please, please, please. But just most importantly, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you, William. Thank you for having me on 11. Thank you for your time. Um, it truly is a pleasure talking with you and, and thank you for just all of the great questions and conversation, which I enjoy more than just questions. So thank you um, for that. All love to you, man. 
You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.